What's going on, everybody? Tanner Lee here, the Tan and J-Man Show, and I am thrilled and excited to have a recurring guest on, a good friend of the podcast, ex-PGA Tour player, Chris Smith. Chris, how are we doing? Thanks for uh, taking some time out of your evening and joining me just to shoot the breeze a little bit. Yeah, it's nice to be here. You guys must be desperate on guests if you're <laughs> pulling an old man like me into your no. arsenal, but it is always fun to talk to you you are you and your dad are the two most knowledgeable people i know about sports so i don't know about that but i've learned my lesson a long time ago i don't challenge either one of you on any sports trivia or knowledge so i just follow along well i appreciate the compliments not sure how how factual or truthful that is but oh, i appreciate oh, you do it know. you do know but um yeah it's been been a little while since we've had you on the show and i got to talk to you i know we you took some time out of your schedule it was probably about two years ago now and we kind of talked about your journey growing up in Rochester and journey getting through Ohio State and then into the tour. But uh, today I thought we'd just kind of shoot the breeze on um, on the various topics. But uh, since it's the holiday season and we got Christmas coming up here in a handful of days, what's Christmas like in the Smith household? Any Any traditions you have to do on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Well, yes, we started uh... – we, when Beth and I got married, we got married in 91 and we decided in 1991 that the house was going to be shut down on Christmas day and it was only going to be family. And we've held true to that. So we get everything out of the way. And now L, you know, um, we lost Beth almost 15 years ago. So some of the traditions have carried on and L is all about it. So, you know, this whole thing, Christmas morning, we get up, and uh, we do our presents and we might drink a mimosa or two while we're doing our presents. And we hang it. We hang in our pajamas all day long and watch some sports on TV. And other than that, we don't let anybody come over and we don't leave. So Christmas Day is great. Now, the days leading up to it, we're hosting the kids and mom and dad on Christmas Eve for dinner and We've got her family. We go to that dinner and we've already had a Smith family dinner. The days leading up to it, I am a victim of all the typical holiday things. But once Christmas hits and then after Christmas, it's geared towards Ohio State football and whatever day they're playing. And unfortunately, this year they're playing before January the 1st. But then I'll spend a couple of days getting fired up for that game and then try to for the first time in my life, probably root for Alabama on <laughs> January the 1st and see if there's some good football because it is definitely still football season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, well, it's, it's college basketball season for me, but it helps when my team's ranked number one in the country. But, but on that note, it, it has really helped this year that Purdue's played the tough non-conference schedule they have because years past, even while we're in late December, I'm like, I can't get into college basketball until Big Ten season starts, but it's helped this year that Purdue had a gauntlet schedule and and luckily worked their way through it pretty well. Yeah, they fared they fared pretty good. Now, you know, I grew up a big IU fan, so you and I have these talks. It's hard for yes. me to root for Purdue, but when it comes time for March Madness, I'm all in on the Big Ten except for that <laughs> team up north. Everybody else last year, I was devastated with the outcome of Purdue and. 
So, you know, the, the coaching staff plays a lot of golf here at Rock Hollow. So we see them and like I was into it and I was like, okay, this is the year, final four, who knows what's going to happen. And it ended way too fast for you last year. I'm hoping it's, yeah, it replicates what happened to Virginia in 18th slash 19. You know, in 18, they get bounced by UMBC first round, first ever one seed to be knocked off by 16 seed. Then they come back in 2019 and win a national title. So I'm hoping Purdue can replicate that. I think so far the guys have used it as motivation and fuel, and they are definitely playing with a chip on their shoulder. Um, it's just, I mean, they're not going undefeated, of course, because they lost in Northwestern in overtime, but they could have went undefeated, won the Big Ten regular season, won the Big Ten tournament, and in all honesty, really doesn't matter because it's going to be all what they do come March Madness. It's true, and unfortunately, you don't have a good player in the center, so if you can work around some marginal play in the paint, you guys will be okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy, that yeah. guy is, he's an animal. He amazing thing about Zach Eady is this is only a seventh year playing basketball. I mean, he grew up playing hockey and baseball, and you can tell he's athletic. He's got good hands, good footwork. Can you um, imagine that guy on a pair of skates? How big would he oh look? My, How big would he look in a hockey I rink? I would not want to take a check on the boards from Zach Eady. No. And he or in probably, baseball, he, he was a pitcher. Think about that. 7-4 oh, yeah. on the mound. Yeah, that's that's getting to you fast, too. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's releasing the ball a foot and a half closer than anybody else is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Randy Johnson was imposing force as a 6'10 left. He had six more inches. Not yeah. left-handed, but he had six more inches than that. So, uh, no, so we'll we'll see what happens. Long ways to go, but it's been a fun start to the season. But you mentioned Ohio State. You mentioned Michigan. Um, yeah, the Big Ten, it's been an interesting year. I mean, Michigan, we've, we've seen the scandal with Connor Stallions in the – I don't even know what. Are you talking about the Western Michigan part of it or the Michigan or which part are you – Central Michigan, excuse me. There's so much of it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just layer after layer after layer. For a while there was something new every day coming out. And I think the Big Ten as a whole, all fan bases, whether you like whichever of the 14 – or the 13 other opposing schools you like, next year will be 17 opposing schools. Um I think we can all agree. I think we're all going to be rooting for Alabama in the college football playoffs. Uh, it, uh, it's painful because I am, I've had it with Nick Saban and Alabama. Sure. I mean, I've had it. But sure. I will – I hope that I hope that Alabama runs them over 49 to nothing. And they might as well kick a field goal for good measure, 52 to nothing. And, and I was on my soapbox a few weeks ago on the Tan J-Man show where I went on a big rant after the playoff selections came out. and. I was one of the ones that wanted Florida State in and not Alabama. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could I could talk to you about that for 30 minutes. You talk <laughs> about it. You talk about the master hose job. Yeah. I mean, there is no question that Florida State and and I was talking about it with some of my friends, and it's you can I love Kirk Herb Street and everybody's mm -hmm. been all over him because he's towing the line and all those things. And I mean it's somewhat true. But before the selection show, you knew there's there was zero way that they were not going to keep an SEC school right. in the playoffs. So right. if Alabama doesn't pull off the ridiculous no two-man rush, 14-second last play against Auburn, they, they could have won the SEC championship, and they still could have theoretically put Georgia in, mm -hmm. but they it would have been a bad play it would have right. looked bad but they could have done it but once 
once Alabama beats Georgia, then you know Alabama's coming in because Texas can't Texas beat Alabama. So right. Texas at Alabama. Beats, at Alabama. So Texas has to be in. And now you're at a spot where Florida State has to be number four. And they couldn't do it because that would have left all the SEC schools out. Yep. Yep. I mean, it was just unfortunate. The college football playoff committee's lucky this had never happened before this year. And they're kind of lucky it happened in the last year of this four-team format. Next year, they're going to 12, which will be better. But you're crazy if, if you don't think we're going to be sitting here and arguing about who should have been the 12th team some uh, year. That's a fact. I mean, but, it, it, then it will be that the next five, you know, everybody will be upset that, you know, Ole Miss isn't getting in next right. year and Liberty's getting in or right. SMU or whoever exactly. it is. Exactly. And, 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 and I get it. Was Florida State without Jordan Travis one of the top four teams? No. No, they're not. Uh, Alabama's well, better. Georgia's better, in my opinion. But Florida State's got a really good defense. And I will say, those kids did everything they had and everything they put in front of them, they, they accomplished. They still won against Florida without their starting quarterback. They won against Louisville, who's a top 25 team, with their third-string quarterback. And, and honestly, I think they're getting graded unfairly for that performance against Louisville because I think – if their backup quarterback would have played instead of a third string, they would have put up more points and it would have looked a little different on the scoreboard than it did. So I just, I just think it's, it's awful. I mean, a power five undefeated conference champ who, I mean, even with, with or without Jordan Travis beat multiple sec teams Yeah, they and, beat, and, and they're left out. I know. And the ACC had a better record head to head than sec against sec schools. The ACC had a better record and this whole thing, of oh they're a better team. Well, if that's the case, why did how many people thought Texas was going to go into Alabama and win that game? Not nobody. Many. I mean, I thought I thought that Alabama would win that game by three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, who thought that was there any chance that Alabama was going to beat Georgia and Atlanta in the SEC championship? I certainly didn't think so. Mm -hmm. So you play the games because you don't know. Like that's, that's the whole reason you play the games because yeah. Okay. On paper, on paper, LSU should have been way better than they were this year too, but they ended up having a terrible defense and they weren't as good as everybody thought they were going to be. It's like Texas A&M the last several years. You know, if, if you just go on who should be better, they Texas A&M should be winning 10 or 11 games every year. Very good point. And it Very drives me nuts because you play the game. It's like you see it in golf, too. It's like, okay, how does uh, how does Cameron Beckman win three tour events? On paper, nobody thought he was going to win those three tour events he played in, but he won all three of them. It's why you play the game. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's I think that it really tarnished the – whole thing with the college football playoffs because to me it seemed very straightforward i don't care where you see them it honestly it doesn't matter where you see them but they needed to be in yes what it did for me was college football is always one of those sports that we were always told regular season matters what you yeah. do in regular season matters and then they did this it's like you just went back against the word you've always told us yeah it's a fact and they talk about scheduling matters too and ohio state schedules home and homes with notre dames and right. Oregon's and all these things trying to get and they have one coming up with Alabama and so they do all these things well Michigan I mean are you kidding me yeah, yeah. how about Michigan schedule this year awful it's awful. unbelievable awful. 
I mean, and people want to make a big deal at the start of the year that Harbaugh was suspended for those three games. It's like they're playing, I don't even remember. I think it was Western Michigan and I don't remember. Eastern Michigan, maybe the directional uh, Michigan UNLV schools. was UNLV. Yeah, yeah it was and just I mean, like. I guarantee you, you could have been the head coach. I could have been the line coach, and Connor Stallions could have been on the sideline telling us what to play, and we would have won every one of those games. It's true. It's true. So it's, yeah, college football and college athletics in general, but college football, it's it's amazing the last couple of years how the sport has changed. I mean, we throw in the the name, image, and likeness, NIL now. We throw in the transfer portal. And I understand it impacts other sports as well but not as much as it impacts college football i would say oh no like i don't i don't know it's funny i just talked to the ohio state golf coach today and we had a whole conversation about something else but he didn't mention nil or portal you know right right right. that's i mean he's not trying to get somebody out of the portal he's really happy that he signed a kid you know, the last week, that's going to be a good player. And he's, mm-hmm. he knows he's going to be there for four years. Right. Like it's, right. it's football and it'll right. be interesting. You follow college basketball much closer than I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the atmosphere is in college basketball, but you certainly don't hear as much about it in basketball as you do football. I think you usually have, you'll have some bigger names in basketball. Not, not to say there wasn't big names in football, like Ohio State's quarterback, for instance, going to Syracuse and Dylan Gabriel going from Oklahoma to Oregon. You had some, you, we've had some big names, but basketball, it seems like you have more of those names that even just the general college basketball fan know they'll enter the portal. But basketball, you're playing with 12 man rosters. You're not playing with. Yeah, right. A uh, roster of 70 some guys. And it's just, I mean, it's just crazy. And every program's going through it. Now, some are hit harder than others, and some are able to, like Ohio State, can probably pick up the pieces more so than uh, Illinois, let's say. But it's just been kind of fascinating to watch. And, and the NIL doesn't bother me as much. I was always in favor of athletes at least getting a portion of, you know, a billboard they're on or jersey sales, things like that. Uh, now, I think some schools don't use that the right way, but it's the transfer portal that bothers me more. I don't think the NCA, imagine this, I don't think the NCA put a lot of time in their decision making. And just after COVID and everything, they're like, we got to get stuff back on track. We're just going full force with this, this and this, pushing all the chips in the middle and didn't give it a lot of thought because it's just it's just free agency. And it's just it's just wild. And we're we're giving people. I see Louisville got a transfer quarterback from Texas Tech. He's going to play his seventh year next year. Yeah, I mean I, that <laughs> whole thing too is I was disappointed. It was at the US UTSA quarterback that didn't play the other night, and I was really disappointed because I've taken a liking to that team and all that. But mm-hmm. it was this was his seventh year, <laughs> and I'm like, but I mean Georgia did it. Yeah, yeah. I mean Bennett was seven years, sure. so he was there for he graduated and he, or excuse me. He ran out of eligibility when he was 25 without a college degree. Yeah, that's now, go no figure out, for that. Go figure out <laughs> that can work. <laughs> so, I mean, I understand why teams do it. I mean, I, honestly, Notre Dame looks like they're going to be a team that's never going to develop a quarterback ever again. They're going to grab these one-year guys, which it can be a – to me, that's putting a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. It's going to fix it for a year, but you're never going to have that long-term stability. But And, yeah, you run into, you know, Aaron, my caddy Aaron is yes. a – diehard Notre Dame fan and so when when they got Hartman last year he's texting me and he's like let's go national champions all that stuff well 
when he petered out at the end of the year and like he was a good quarterback, but he was nothing what he was right. billed to be. Right. And then now he's not playing in the bowl game. Right. He's opted out of the bowl game. And Aaron is Aaron has blown my phone up about how disappointed he is and how that didn't work out. And then they get the kid from Duke. Right. And he was right back on my phone. Let's go national contender. He'll be the same. He'll be the same way. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Purdue fan and Notre Dame football is one of my least favorite things in sports, but I just, I I mean, I see them going eight, nine and three again, maybe 10 and two. Yeah. But with the 12 team playoff, 10 and two might get Notre Dame in it because Notre Dame always gets the benefit of the doubt uh, without a conference. But. If you're talking, if you're talking quarterbacks, you should, you should just give a plug to your boy at the Raiders. Aiden O'Connell. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you should give him a little pat on the back and a little plug because he has, I thought he was a good, and I mean, he had the one game that was outrageous. He looked right. like, he looked like Joe Montana recreated. Well, yeah. Against the chargers. <laughs> yeah. Against the chargers, which I mean, that's also against the chargers, but you're still. Right. I mean, it's been fun to see him have an opportunity and step up and take advantage of it. Yeah, it has. I it pains me as a Bronco fan to see him on the Raiders. <laughs> and I, I went on draft day. I uh, I was in a wedding on draft day, and we were all watching the draft getting ready. And we were actually watching when he got drafted by the Raiders, and all the guys popped pretty big and were giving me a bunch of flack. And I'm like, why? Out of all the teams, why do you have to go to the Vegas? But yeah, I do I do root for him to do well while I'm rooting for the Raiders to lose. Yeah. But it, it's been you a cool story. That. So came to Purdue as an eighth string quarterback and then as a walk-on just worked his way up and became one of their better quarterbacks they've had in a long time. And yeah, he seems like a very nice guy. So yeah, I like, like it. Like to root for guys like that. So and um I you know I don't really root for Purdue either. So oh, yes. Yes, I, I mean, I kind of crossed the line there saying yeah. that, but yes, I, yes. I've been happy for him. Yes. Uh, one last thing about Ohio State football, Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm assuming he's going pro, but I've read some things this week that said he's still trying to make up his mind and he, he's making up his mind about the bowl game still. You have any insight on that? I don't. Okay. Now, <laughs> uh, I've heard some rumblings, yeah. but there is nothing of the people I've talked to over there. I will. The only thing I will say is that I don't, I, I, what you're hearing is not made up. Like he legit is contemplating. I think he, it sounds like he's going to play the bowl game, which would be awesome. Mm -hmm. And I do think he legit is contemplating coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about, I mean, he's talked about it nonstop and he comes from, you know, he's a great kid and everybody that I've talked to over there that deals with him talks about, he's a great kid. He comes, you know, you know, the way his dad played and he talks about all the time. All he wanted to do was come win a big 10 championship and play and play in the big 10 championship game and win a big 10 championship. So it would be if he does come back he will go down he will instantly get archie griffin status at ohio state he will be a legend in columbus if he Mm -hmm. he already is Mm -hmm. but if he comes back and comes back for another shot at it he will he'll write his own ticket i got in a conversation with my brother about it and he's like he can't come back he's gonna pass too much money well 
if he comes back and blows his knee out next year and never plays in the NFL, he will still own Columbus and make as much money as he'd ever make playing NFL football. And that is one of the beauties of the NIL is, I mean, if, if this, if the NIL wasn't around, I mean, for instance, we were talking about Zach Eady earlier, he wouldn't be back at Purdue right now as the reigning defending national player of the year. No way. I don't no think way. so either. I mean, he would have tested. I mean, he tried to test the waters of the NBA anyways, and he was, he wanted guaranteed first round money and nobody, everybody's like, yeah, you're going to be second round pick if drafted at all. And he's like, well, in that case, I'm going back to Purdue where I can make a million dollars and try to win national championship. Yeah. So, and practice. And practice. Yeah. And actually just get me a college kid, which I doubt his college experience is even normal at all. I doubt he can go anywhere. Not only cause he's seven foot four, but he, yeah, but it's more, his life there is more normal of a college kid than it's going to be the minute he is on an NBA team. That's I mean, true. you might as well That's be true. king of the campus for a little while and enjoy it. That's true. So uh, last thing about college football, and should have mentioned this earlier, what is your opinion on the Big Ten growing to 18 teams and bringing in USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington next year? Well, I think it. I think it's great for the – image and you know as we're big 10 people and so Mm -hmm. and we live in big 10 country and we Mm -hmm. watch all the games and you hear this narrative for the last 15 years of it's all the sec football is so much better it means more it means more and and you know even vanderbilt you know my brothers are auburn graduates and vanderbilt would win all their games in the big 10 well that's just nonsense (laughs) but i mean that's how that's, oh, how, that's how they think. That is, is how they think. So to get Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA, it's a huge get. Mm-hmm. Now that, and there's been a lot of talk with this with Chip Kelly, and you know he makes some really good points. It how in the world is the Ohio State women's softball team going to go from Rutgers to UCLA? Right. I right. mean. Yeah, in in my opinion, you have to. I think Chip Kelly makes really good points. The football has to be separate from the other sports. The other mm-hmm. sports, the minor sports, which I mean, I played a minor sport, but golf is a little different because you got five guys, and you know you can get on an airplane. We used to fly to California and play, mm-hmm. but it was invitationals that everybody from across the country. Like if we were playing a Big Ten tournament, we would, you know, it would be a wisconsin's campus or it would be at ohio state or it would be at purdue like we played regional but we also played national but it was five guys and i mean you can do it with with teams like i don't know how you expect the girls softball team and the guys tennis team to schedule Rutgers one week and then three weeks later they're going to be playing and they're going to go out for a three-way match with usc and ucla yeah, it's it's all the logistics are got to kind of be a nightmare, I think. But that's that's for that's for uh, people who get paid a lot more than you and me to figure out. So to answer to quickly answer your question, I the stronger we can make the Big Ten, the yep. better off we are. And I, I agree do, with that. In a perfect world, I'd like to see. I'm not going to name schools, but Purdue certainly is not one of them. But I think there, at this point, we probably there's some teams we could trim out and let whatever the new 
ACC is going to look like or, you know, whatever right. the new Big 12 is going to look like. Like we have some schools, I think, that could the Big East that could figure out a way to get into some different conferences. Mm -hmm. But we're going to be so strong that there's going to be some schools that have struggled that are really going to find themselves struggling. Well, and I'm just I'm really anxious to see who's going to adapt to what because we're we're bringing out these spread offenses from the that are just fast, fast, fast from the Pac-12 coming into more of a ground pound traditional not not all teams but more line play traditional and just seeing USC play in like Minnesota in November is going to be <laughs> glorious. They they it complain is, when they go to South Bend in October. They I, don't know what cold is. It, you are right, and it's also we talk about it at, at our house all the time because we're obviously all Big Ten people. But we talk about it all the time. You know, what are these defenses going to do when they don't play defense in the Pac-12? Right. So when you get a team that's big and physical and has a good offense, like in Ohio State or Michigan or where Nebraska is headed or where Wisconsin is going to be, which Purdue got some good recruits too, mm -hmm. you put some of these big physical teams that also have offense and but they're all going to, you know, Iowa. How many points is how many points is UCLA going to score against Iowa? They might not score. Right. And I would so, probably actually maybe score against that defense. They probably <laughs> could. They <laughs> probably could. But I yeah. think it's going to be, and you make a good point, the, the weather and the oh, can't wait. different atmosphere, it's going to be fantastic. Because the, the, the kids from the Midwest, from Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, um, they're, they're going to be like, oh, we're going to California in, in November? Great. Yeah, this <laughs> is awesome. California kids are just going to hate it. I just yeah. think it's going to be awesome to watch. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I think it's yep. going to be fun. I'm excited about the whole thing, to be honest. Yep. yep. I I wasn't sure at first. I was okay with USC and, and UCLA. And then they, when they did the Oregon-Washington thing, I'm like, ah, I feel like I feel like the Pac-12 was begging at the time because it was falling apart. So Oregon-Washington just begged and got in. But, you know, over the last few months, I've I've grown to appreciate I'm in the it. Exact, I'm in the exact same boat. At the start, yeah. I was like, really? What yeah. Is, well, this doesn't fit. I still think they want to get to 20 one of these days. I don't know who that is. I, I know they love Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's too stubborn with the NBC deal. Even though the NBC's got a Big Ten deal now, they won't do it. Um, so I don't know who else. I don't know Notre, who else they would grab. Notre Dame would be a great fit. They would. They sh should have been years ago. It should have been years ago. And there's they already have built-in rivalries with a bunch yep. of the Big Ten schools anyway that yep. they they aren't playing anymore that would come right back. I think if the day comes where they don't have an agreement with NBC, I think that's how the Big Ten gets them. They have to play hardball and corner them, saying, if you don't come join our conference, we're not letting our conference teams play against you in football. Yeah, so, I like it. Maybe yeah. you should be the commissioner. <laughs> I think I could have done a better job than Kevin Warren. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That guy yeah. was a train wreck. Don't even get me started on him. Oh, he was awful. He is not a Tan and Jay Mancho favorite. Let's, no, let's put it that way. Don't get me started on him. Put it that way. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk some golf. And it's the golf world has just been an interesting place lately. Not that it always isn't, but I mean, in the past month, we've seen more live golf, PJ Tour rumors more movement than we have in a long time. Of course, when Live Golf goes out and gets the number two player in the world, John Rahm, from the PGA Tour for a insane amount of money, that's going to send some shockwaves around the golf world. 
I guess, first off, what are your thoughts overall on live golf? Well, do you hear that? Yes, I do. If we're going to talk about that, if you if it's okay <laughs> on this podcast, I'm gonna, it is always all right. I'm just going to have a little sip of a beer before <laughs> I get really on my soapbox here. So live golf, you you bring up John Rom, yes, and I will tell you John Rom. Uh, I used to when I was still playing full time, they would have a. Uh, orientation one of the first tournaments and this was even in the wraparound so one of the first tournaments in the fall they'd have an orientation where they would have a veteran player that would come and spend the day with all the rookies and you would you know you'd be there with them in their classes because there were classes there were media classes financial classes and whatever and so the veteran would sit in those classes with them and then at the end of the day It'd, they'd have a closed door session and you'd for two hours, I sat in there with the rookies and there was nobody from the PGA tour that was in the room. It was just me and they, however many there were that year, 27 or whatever rookies. And John Rahm was in that rookie class. And so uh, it was interesting because there were some of the guys, um, Wesley Bryan was in that class and Wesley Bryan decided that his, what the way he was going to handle it was he was going to try to poke jabs at me and make fun of me during the session. And then you had people like uh, the no hat, which you'll know who it is. Ali uh, never wore a hat Mizuno guy. Oh yes. Yes. He was uh, in that class. And as soon as I started talking, he, stood up with his backpack and walked out the door and that was fine. Jeez. It's so there was, there were all these, it was every phase of things. Well, John Rahm sat there and was super nice, super respectful, ask intelligent questions. And at the end of the two hours, he was the only one that came up and shook my hand and said, thank you for your time. And, and so John Rahm early on with me, scored a lot of points. I was like, he's got, he's got it right. He's got his priorities, right. He's got his respect factor, right. He's a heck of a competitor, incredible talent. He's got all these things. He's going to be a superstar. He turned out to be a superstar. Mm -hmm. uh, a year ago, he was, uh, there's, you know, it, it was two years ago. He said they could offer me $400 million and it wouldn't change my life. I'm not going. Right. And Fred couples on his, and I, I got the quote here, so I didn't misquote him. But Fred Couples on his, I'm sure you saw this. Did you see mm -hmm. it? I did. A hundred million doesn't get it. Two hundred million doesn't get it. Three hundred million doesn't get it. Couples said on his radio program. But four hundred million, it's a great product and it's a great show. And that is, and it, he he said, but don't sit there and go on and say they are changing the game for fifty years. Uh. For 50 years, golf has been changed. Arnold Palmer changed it. Jack Nicholas changed it. Tiger Woods changed it. And the Live Tour ain't changing a thing. So uh, the problem the problem that I have with the Live situation is that Harold Varner is the only one mm -hmm. that came out and I feel like was honest about it. He said, look, I like the PGA Tour better. I want to play the PGA Tour. I want my legacy to be on the PGA Tour. But... 
I can't turn down this money. Life-altering money, yeah. I'm going for the money. Yeah. He's the only one. All the other ones are talking about spreading the game and growing the game and making the game better. And I've been on both sides of it. I grew up totally out of the golf business, but loving golf. Then I was in the golf world in high school, college, 25 years on tour. My family owns a golf course. My brother was PGA of America guy still is my son's the head bro at our course. I gave five hours of lessons today at our course. I've been on both sides of it. And the only people that are growing the game are the guys that are doing 70 hours a day in the golf shop. Right. They're, they're the, they're the ones that are growing the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now sure you get Tiger Woods, the most famous person on the planet. He's going to bring people into the game, right? but it's up to the other people to grow the game. So right. are you going to get more people involved? Yes. Did, did Arnold Palmer transform the game? hundred percent. Did Jack Nicholas transform the game? hundred percent for this matter. Fred doesn't talk about Greg, but did Greg Norman transform the game? hundred mm percent. -hmm. Did Tiger hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Are they growing the game? No. They're right. in this, is just my opinion. They are changing the way the game looks, which mm -hmm. might bring people in, but the people that are growing the game are the people in the golf shop and the people at the backdrop that are making the experience good. The superintendents that are making the golf courses playable. Those people are ones that somebody, so they see on TV, Tiger Woods doing something great. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to go try golf. Well, if, if they don't have a golf course to go to, or they don't have a driving range, or they don't have somebody nice to help them with the process, they, they're not going back. So it's not this idea of playing 54 hole tournaments and having crazy party holes every week. And, you know, the, the one thing I talk, and if you want me to quit talking, I can nope. just keep going on, nope. but just, just keep going. The one thing that, that from the time that I was in high school up until four years ago, it was the, the same thing that everybody always said to me. And it, 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 the base of it, it's like, oh, golf is, golf is so much fun and so interesting and incredible to watch because you guys have to earn your money. And they're like, so, and you know, when I first got on tour, people would be like, so I'm sure that the tour pays you each week. Right. And I'm like, no, if, if I go to Hawaii for the back when I was playing Hawaii was the first tournament. If I go to Hawaii, which I played Hawaii every year, I go to Hawaii and I miss the cut. I'm $9,000 out. Yeah. Not only am I, is they, are they not paying me, but I'm paying all my expenses. Chris Carpenter, one of my very best friends, won a couple world series with the Cardinals. When he and I started hanging out at like 2001 time period, he was, you know, he never touched his luggage and they stayed in the four seasons and he got a per right. diem for, right. he got $300 per meal while he was on the road and he was getting $7 million salary. Right. And right. like he caddied for me in a couple tournaments and we go to these tournaments and he's like, wait a minute, eat like you, you have to make your own hotel reservation. Well, yeah. You have to get your own rental car. Well, yeah. It, but that was, that's what made it so great and what mm -hmm. made it kept everybody. You had to continue to get better or not only were you not 
going to stay on tour, but you weren't, you know, you weren't going to provide for your family that was sitting at home. And I don't have any problem with, with in this day and age and as big as sports have gotten and all the TV money that Tiger Woods brought into existence. I don't, this PIP money, you know, the tour is right now chasing live and they have these designated events that are ridiculous amount of money. And they've got this extra $40 million in PIP money and they've changed the retirement structure and you've got all this money all of a sudden now in this retirement structure. That's, I mean, when I was on tour, it was a very good retirement idea. It was like a safety net. So when you're done playing, you're going to, if you, if you played your, which I mean, I, I knew the number at one point, but if I played my 427 pro ams on Wednesday and kept my card for five years straight or longer, then when you're done, you're going to, we're going to make sure that as you're doing other things, you're, we're going to help you Mm -hmm. at this point. I have no problem with the tour saying, okay, at the start of every year, everybody that has their full tour card, it's 200 grand is going right to you. That's going to allow you and your family to travel the events you want to play. I I think that'd be great because mm-hmm. I, my, my rookie year, it was 1996 was my rookie year and my rookie year I made. Now the purses were drastically different. I fin I did not keep my card and I had to go back to Q school. I made like 40, I think I made $47,000 and I finished and you can fact check me on this or anybody listening can fact check me. My recollection is that I was somewhere <laughs> between 150 and 170th on the money list. I made 40, which now that's who knows what that is. Now that's probably an extra zero on that. It's probably 700, yeah. but I made like 50, 50 ish thousand dollars and traveling and doing that stuff with a wife and one child, which at the time Beth was still working some, but we had, she tried to come to some tournaments. We spent like 97,000. So I got, I made it to the pinnacle of my profession. The thing I dreamt of my whole life and I lost 50 grand. I mean, that kind of, that's, that's tough. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's not the case now. So no, it's amazing how sports in general, the money, I mean, I mean, we could, we could pivot and talk Shohei Otani, but, but, but we won't, but I'm just saying just contracts and salaries and everything. Wait a minute. I don't know. He's only making 2 million a year. He's the best bargain out there. Oh, he's, his agents are amazing. (laughs) I mean, amazing. That that should not be allowed though. The MLB should do something about that, but they won't. But um, yeah. So I, so I, at the end of the day, and Shane Lowry had an interesting one today too. I screenshotted this so I could share this with you today. Shane, did you see Shane Lowry's? I, I did not. Today? No. Uh, he's talking about John Rahm, and he, he quote he said, "They own you now." And I mean, that's also, you know, it's true. If you're gonna yep. pay, if you're gonna pay somebody four hundred million dollars to come play golf. 20 times a year, then whatever they want you to do, you're going to do, do it. it. Oh yeah. I mean, you could tell when he showed up on Fox news in the live golf bomber jacket. Yeah. Right then <laughs> it's like, well, that's who he is now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know? So, um, yeah, I, it's sad because in, in, I'll let you 
go whatever direction you want, but I'll, I will say this, you know, this, the house that I'm sitting in, uh, the things that I've gotten to do over my life that have been, you know, like being friends with Chris Carpenter Mm -hmm. and he, I never would have now, once we became friends, it was like, we've been together since kindergarten, but I, if it weren't for the BJ tour, I never would have met Chris Carpenter. Sure. Like, I mean, everybody wants to play golf, right? So when I'm hanging around the Cardinals locker room, every Albert Pujols is also a very good friend of mine. And I like, I never would have met Albert Pujols without golf. So not only my house and everything that I have is goes directly back to the PJ tour, but also all the relationships that are me for the last 30 years is also because of the PGA tour. So I have this, I never lost sight of what I feel I owe the PGA tour. And I, the last breath I take, I am going to be grateful for the PGA tour because the PGA tour not only allowed me to, you know, I was on the Rochester Elks as a seven-year-old in my head hitting shots on PJ Tour events. And the PJ Tour provided a place for me to do that. As long as I worked hard enough and got good enough, I made it. And they provided me the place to do it. And they also paid me to do it, which is just like, whoa, okay, this is incredible. So now I'm commentating and when I go in to commentate for a tournament, that is, that is still every bit centered in my heart that it was 20 years ago when I was playing and making a bunch of money and everything was good. And I was enjoying the spoils of the tour at the time, but it still is every bit as passionate to me. I go into a commentating event or, you know, a, each individual show carrying the PGA tour banner on my back because I owe the PGA tour like I owe them a, not only a huge thank you, but I also have a, a responsibility. I feel like to continue to, to build the brand and let people know these people aren't going to live, which you, you got me on my soapbox, but these people are not going to live because the tournaments are better or their legacy is going to be better. You ask if you put any of them on a lie detector machine and ask them a question. Do you, yep. Do you want to, would do you want to win the Saudi open on the live or do you want to win the greater Milwaukee open on the PGA tour? If money had no part in it, every single, every single one of them is going to say, oh, I want the PGA tour win. Right. So it is nothing more than, money and it's nothing more which greg norman was always super nice to me and i have no personal quarrels with greg norman because he treated me from the time i was in college to the last time i saw him in mexico six years ago he's always treated me great but this is he he's been on this mission since the night early 90s trying to disrupt the pga tour and create a world tour and see if he can't be the guy that's running the world tour. So this is a personal mission to him that he gets in tight with these Saudi investors and the Saudi money. And he's like, well, we've got, we've got $10 billion. We got endless amount of money. 
Yeah. And what are we going to do with $10 billion? Yeah. Let's see. Let's see who we can tug on. And honestly, again, this is opinion, but you know, up until John Rahm, the number of players that the PJ tour lost, the, the reality of it is, is that nobody that watches a PGA tour on a regular basis is going to miss any of those guys. Like, yeah, I think a lot of them, in my opinion, were kind of over the hill, so to speak. Easy, for, for, easy. For, I know easy, for, for, even though I say that and Mickelson just won a, a major a couple of years ago. And he was on the downward slide. But, You're right. But you know what I'm saying? A lot of them were kind of past their prime or, and you could speak better on this than I can. I feel like a lot of them, maybe and, until Rom, a lot of them weren't well liked guys on the tour, so they weren't real missed around the tour, just from an outsider perspective. Well, I was saying from an insider perspective, I was saying something similar in a different <laughs> way. I don't think that anybody really missed them. Um, yes, yes, and but there are exceptions like sure, sure. Charles, I know you got friends. Uh, I'm sure you have friends that play on live. Charles or guys Warren, you well. Charles Warren, one of the nicest guys on the planet, made a bazillion dollars playing the PGA Tour. Absolutely, his retirement plan is it would blow your mind. Uh, one tournaments on the PGA Tour, he makes no sense to me why he would go. I don't understand why he went. Uh, it, it makes no sense. Taylor Gooch makes no sense to me. Taylor Gooch, young kid, great player, having great success on the PJ Tour. It makes no sense why he'd go. The rest of them, you can you can point at him and say, okay, this I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I know why he went. I know why mm-hmm. he went. But mm-hmm. the problem at the end of it all, the problem that I see and they, and this is another quote that I hear from all these live guys that drive me crazy. Uh, this is for the betterment of the game and all this stupid crap that you hear. But really what's going to end up happening is that, in my opinion, you get down the road on this. If it stays, if this course stays, your people are only going to care about four tournaments a year. Yes, and that's where Maybe I was going five. next. Yes. And because nobody's going to know who's playing where and who's playing what. And you're already seeing sponsors drop out uh, because they aren't getting the same bang for their buck because they see the writing on the wall that, okay, the Colonial, an incredible tournament, one of the great invitationals of the last 80 years on the PGA Tour, Ben Hogan's stomping grounds, like the whole thing. Well, if you don't even have any idea who's going to show up, at especially in this day and age with everything that's at your fingertips, like yeah. you're, you're not going to watch, you know, maybe tune in on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. If, if you, if you get a flash on your phone that when you, somebody you like in golf is having a tournament, then maybe on Sunday afternoon, you watch last nine holes, but nobody's like, it's going to turn into the four majors in the players championship. And that, that, and that's where I wanted to pivot because, you know, I'm a big golf fan, as you know, and I, I tune into a lot of tournaments and I have watched some live, even though I always forget it's on the CW and it's hard to find sometimes, but yeah, I can't, I've and, never watched it. Because yeah. You never watched it. It's never watched a shot. There, there's some of the presentation. I wish the PGA tour with presentation wise it would take, but a lot of it's just different. And there, there are some golfers over there. I enjoy watching. I will be honest about that name but one. uh i like watching brooks kepka and phil mickelson play golf oh i uh, i like brooks 
I like watching how they play. And there's some on there I can't I can't stand. <laughs> you can go ahead and name that too if you want. Patrick Reed can't stand <laughs> yeah. the guy. Well, he's um, not missed. Let me tell you. Sergio can't stand the guy. Yeah, I like um, Sergio, but I understand why he went. I mean, he, but, he's he's a perfect example of yeah. who you're talking about. Like he right. went because he was on his way out. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think if this stays the course, like you said, like if it does and it comes down to you know, the golf fans are going to right now, I would say the average golf fan to the people who aren't even golf fans, they'll tune in for the four majors. But if this stays a course, I'm afraid even the diehard golfers are going to start golf fans are going to start only tuning into four majors and maybe a couple other tournaments. And I just think it's, it's just, it's odd because I'm, I'm one as a sports fan. I like competition. I think competition breeds the best out of everybody. Um, this is going to be a weird analogy, but um, I'm a pro wrestling fan. I think the more pro wrestling promotions out there, the better. They bring the best out of everybody, and you can you have varieties of what you want to watch or can watch. But when it, when it comes to golf, I feel like the golf fan, if this stays course, is going to be the big loser in all of this. Because even in the four majors, we aren't guaranteed to always see the best players in the world with this setup. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, and that's like – that's a byproduct in my opinion of it. You know, there's all kinds of trickle down things that are going to happen mm-hmm. with this and the PJ, you know, basically what we're, what we're saying by golf fans only watching four or five tournaments is that, you know, the, the PJ tour is going to lose some of its pull and some of sure. its strength and some of its clout. So then what that does, and it, it, it ain't like, the the live is going to pick up you know live isn't you know if uh what's a good nationwide if nationwide pulls out of sponsoring pga tour events do you think they're going to go to saudi and do a deal with the saudis no no they're not so it's gonna it's gonna weaken it's gonna dilute the product it's gonna weaken the product and it is going to turn into and it, you know, it's going to force it's which Jay, I like, I like Jay. Uh, I, I, I wish he would have done things differently when this started, but I think Jay is a, oh, I know Jay is a nice person and I know that Jay is very smart. Uh, I think he could have handled this differently because I th- think that he was so used to the PJ tour, having the upper hand on everything that he's going to strong arm it and it's going to go away. It's really hard to strong arm $10 billion. Endless amount of money. Yep. Yeah. $10 billion was shot at it like right out of the box. Right. Right. So it's like, that means if they. You're already behind the game. There's. Yeah. If you shoot 10 billion out, that means there's probably (laughs) another hundred billion sitting there waiting. Yeah. And so, but anyway, I, it's, it's going to dilute the product. It's going to make the average tournament way less popular as you know i've gotten into this commentating thing and i i'm worried about how many of the events are going to be televised now are they going to keep pushing are they going to is you know hartford was an elevated event are they still it's not this year but it was last year's hartford even going to still be an event where i mean they're gonna there's no way they're going to be able to keep the pace up that they're at right now you can't right Right. and and it's it is fascinating to me how, and I know NBC, 
owns the golf channel and in the, their full PGA tour. But it is fascinating to me how the golf channel will do whatever they can not to talk about live. Oh, to the fact where my dad brought this up to me this week, he was watching something and they were showing highlights of the majors. They didn't show highlights of this past year's masters or PGA championship, but they showed the open and the U S open. It's kind of like they, they want to just, they don't want to acknowledge any other happening. Well, they will acknowledge a DP world tour, Oh yeah, but they don't want to acknowledge live at all. That's because we're partners with the DP. Right. So not only are they acknowledging the DP world tour, they are pumping it up and they are continuing to make the DP world tour a bigger thing. When before this whole live thing came about the DP world tour was, yeah, you know, it's really, it was the big argument was, is the corn Ferry or the DP tour better, which, which tour has a higher, because the narrative at that time was, yeah, you and it's true. With the ex, you could pull out a few exceptions over the years of guys that could have played the PJ Tour, but were from Europe and they stuck with the DP Tour. But for the most part, anybody, anybody that uh, Lee Westwood or uh, Rory or whoever that is coming from, they're trying to get if they are going through the DP World Tour, they're trying to get to the PJ Tour. Sure. And but now you know, we're partners and we're money list goes to the PJ tour. Now all of a sudden the D yeah, they're showing the highlights on all the broadcasts I do. They're showing the DP world tour highlights during the broadcast and what's going on over there. And I get it. They're strengthening the brand, but it is, uh, you do not, uh, when, when you are on a PJ tour broadcast, it, it is, it's, yeah, it's just fascinating is, to me because live is not something you talk about. I mean, it was just fascinating. To me. I think, I think the one time I do remember the mentioning was when Bryson shot that 58 or 59, whatever it was in West Virginia this year, they did mention it just for like a second because it was one of those accomplishments. Like, okay, no matter where you're playing, that's, that's a hell of a round. I mean, it's, but it's really but hard. It, it, I mean, put yourself in the position of our, the producers or the directors of the show who are dealing with headquarters. Right. It's a hard position because yeah, you want to, you want to talk about golf and what's going on in the world of golf, but you also, I mean, it's, you got a group of whatever. I mean, yeah, there's 48 players or however many there are, but there's really only 10 of them that are household names and you've got them over there in shorts playing a shotgun start in a golf cart, drinking beer and listening to music. <laughs> I mean, it is a, they a are, world. it yeah, is yeah, a dark right. contrast. And as soon as yeah. you start giving yeah. it legitimacy, then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, well this is live tour had a great finish this week. And they flash over there and there's a guy sitting there in a cart drinking a beer with his yeah. speaker going and he's 170 yards on the last one. He's got to make a birdie to win. And you're like, wait a minute. What is this? Yeah. 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 Probably just don't want to bring attention to, to the, to the, I don't even want to say competition, but the, to the alternative. Um, but it, it just fascinates me because, you know, we saw with Brooks um, this past year, um, you know, winning, winning a major, um, not Rom at the time, cause he's on PGA tour, but we see Brooks win the PGA and, you know, the golf channel had to talk about him, And in, I just see the PJ 
running into that problem more and more in these majors in the future. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just, it's, it's just fascinating how it's all going to work out to me. Cause I, in, in the Ryder cup, we saw Rory come out and say, we got to find a way to get John in, in New York in 2025 Beth page. I'm thinking, of course you are because you know that's, that's one of your horses, but also I'm like, well, then some rules got to be changed. Yeah. So like, and that what I, are we doing here? I gave you the Shane Lowry quote, right? And, but he, Shane Lowry followed that up with, we got to figure out a way to get him to Beth page next year. Okay. I mean, okay. I mean, I mean the, you know, the Americans found a way to get Brooks on there, but Brooks mainly from his major win pretty much had tons of points there, but I'm sure the American team would have liked to grab maybe one or two more, probably just one more guy, maybe Bryson at the time he was playing well, maybe not, but I mean, Okay, so if that if the if your Europe's team is going to be able to, then America better be able to, and it's it just it just it's a fascinating thing, for my opinion, because something's got to give if that's going to happen. How did you? This is totally yes. same same subject, but we're talking about the Ryder Cup. Yes. Uh, how did you feel about Zach's picks? I I didn't think they were good. I I mean, I, how can you pick Justin Thomas? I mean, I mean, he was playing, and I like Justin Thomas. I think I don't know him, of course, personally, but I think he seems like a great guy. Um, no, um, <laughs> but he he was not playing well at all this year. Terrible. He couldn't even he he couldn't even get in the playoffs. Yeah, so, and he and listed that, his goals the other day. And the only goal he hit was making the Ryder Cup team. That was yeah, it. That, that was I goal. saw it. I saw it. It was all a bunch of red X's and one <laughs> yeah, green and check, one and it was exactly. making the Ryder Cup team because yeah. he is picked when he should never have been picked. Right. Right. And it, I, I don't know Zach Johnson personally, but I did not think he did a good job as a captain. Uh, Zach is a, Zach is a very nice individual with an incredible playing record for the style of golf he plays to have won all the tournaments and majors. He did incredible. Uh, I, I think that he fell a little short with the captaincy yeah. of the Ryder cup, but also I, you know, he's been an assistant captain or for however many years in all these events. And, uh, you know, I, I think they needed some new blood to go to Europe and they didn't pick the new blood. And then not only did they not pick any new blood, they went to the old boys school to, to make the captain's picks. And I mean, are you kidding me? Not picking Lucas Glover. I yeah, mean, I mean, the guy was on fire. He the deserves guy, it. The guy, everybody loves him. A mm-hmm. laid back, great personality, an impeccable ball striker mm-hmm. and bar none, not even close to the hottest player in the world. Yeah. The and his putter was hot at the time. And it, it momentum is a thing in golf too. I mean, you can't, you can't tell me oh, otherwise. You and, ain't and, and, kidding. And, and, and of course, as a big Ricky Fowler fan, I am, I was a little peed that he didn't send him out much in the Ryder cup either. And I know there was that rumor that he was, wasn't feeling well, which never really got confirmed. That was weird. No, um, I, I don't buy that for a second, yeah. which so I, mean, I was a little mad that he didn't get sent him out at least one more time than he did. But whatever. I agree with you. I'm a, I mean, I'm a hundred percent with you. Send Ricky out mm-hmm. and don't pick Justin yep. and have the courage to do some things different i mean gotta try something different haven't won in europe I mean, since the early 90s so keegan, keegan bradley and lucas glover now yep. keegan bradley is he you know he's 
he's not part of the group for a lot of reasons. But okay, that's that might be good. Like yeah. that might be a good thing. It, but he was also very deserving of being on the team. Those mm-hmm. two guys. But I don't, it'll be interesting because I, you're right. The Europeans are going to find a way to get all these live guys on the team. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're going to find a way. They don't want to lose that cup. And, no. and they got Donald coming back for Beth Page, which is smart on their part. He was a pretty good captain. and He, but did, I, he did a great job. And he's it, also it, a fantastic guy. It's just it was just fascinating because I think you'll remember the 2023 Ryder Cup though more than anything for the Joe Lacava oh. and and Roy McIlroy and all that drama that went down. It's I I love Joe, like Joe is one of my favorite people on the planet. But he was out of line. Yeah, it, I was watching it live and I was like, oh, what is he? It, it was so. Just so of, far out of character for Joe LaCava, you have no idea. And <laughs> then he didn't back down. No. And then no. he started yelling at the other Europeans on the side of the green. Like, it yeah. was ugly. Then they about got into it in the parking lot. Or oh, the, yeah. You know, when they were leaving, uh, Roy and the valet, he, he had to be held back. So at, very, at some point, I will talk to Joe, and I will be anxious to hear his side of the yeah. story because that is so far out of character for Joe LaCava, I can't even describe it. Yeah, you got to think something. Agdemon, something that we haven't been told or seen, yeah, but I would agree with you. I don't know, but it's it's going to be fascinating coming twenty twenty five what the rosters look like for sure, for sure. They'll find a way. Well, you mentioned uh, multiple times when we were talking about live and PGA Tour of uh, commentating. That's something you got into this past season with the PGA Tour. Uh, let everybody know what you did, how you got into that, how you're enjoying it, and what your future plans look like in commentating. Well, it's something that uh, Kurt Byram, who is one of the anchor guys on NBC and the Golf Channel, is a good friend of mine, has been for years. And we do an outing together in Chicago every year. And about four years ago, I was my fire was starting to dwindle. And he and I started talking about commentating. He said, I think you'd be great at it. You should you should try to work your way in there. And so I spent I spent three years trying to work my way in there with help from him and other people in the business. And I finally they said, you know what, we'll let you try some last year. And I said, that'd be great. Uh, the first event I did, I was, I was extreme. I was more nervous. The first event I did than any shot I ever hit in a golf tournament. It was a little surreal of an experience, but, uh, at the end of it, I absolutely loved it. It, it, it's a very long day. So you start, you gotta be on property at six and you, you don't leave property until you're off the air. So that's six o'clock East coast time. So if we're doing a East coast tournament, you're on property from six to six. It's a long day. Mm-hmm. A lot of steps. But the beauty <laughs> of it is, is that when you're at six o'clock, when you take your headset off, you're done. Like yeah. you're, you, you can go to your room and, you know, have a beer and you can go have dinner and you don't have to go to the range. You aren't stressed out about, Oh my gosh, I was, my driver was bad today. I got to figure what am, how am I going to hit my driver tomorrow? Like you're done. It's over yeah. and it's great. And you get up in the next morning and you're still under the cut line, right? You're still leading the tournament and you haven't practiced. You haven't done anything. So the whole experience was outstanding. I absolutely loved it. And 
my first one this year is in March. Um, and you get to pick your schedule not, or no, I'm not that fortunate yet. Okay. Uh, okay. I didn't know how that worked. I signed my contract, uh, this past weekend. So I know I'm in next year. Awesome. awesome. Uh, but they, they will tell me when I'm coming and when I'm not. And I, I can't remember what the tournament is in March, but it's the last full week of March is my first event. And then I have one in, I have one in April, uh, one in May, I think a couple in June and the last week of March, Texas children's Houston open. Does that sound uh, right? What's the dates? Uh, March 28th through 31st. Yep. yep. That's my first one. Houston. So I'm like, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I, it has been, it was the, the, it would, you'll appreciate this. And like, there's not a lot to talk about with this, but the one thing that I, two things I really enjoyed about it was one, what I said that you work and you're, you have to do your research. You have to watch golf all the time. You have to know about your players. You spend a bunch of time the night before in your hotel room with the computer studying the players and who your group is going to be tomorrow and all those things. But then it's gone. And the other thing that, that was really incredible about it was that it made me feel like I was part of golf again. And That's awesome. Yeah, you come, you sit here in Peru come up to bowling in Rochester every Tuesday night. And, you know, five years later, you're like, these guys probably don't even remember who I am. You just don't feel like you're a part of it. But then I started commentating with Mark Carnival and Kurt Byram and which, I mean, I know Kurt because we talk, but uh, Brian Katrick, you know, I did some stuff with Brian Katrick with Carl and Dennis Paulson. I was on their team a couple of times. And it's like we had been, it's like we had been together the whole time. It, the relationship stayed. And that part of it was, I'll tell you, the first week I did, I was driving to the airport afterwards. And I was like, I was flying higher than a kite. I was so happy and so excited. And it was so rewarding to feel like I was a part of it again, because it's all I knew my whole life for 50 years was golf, golf, golf. And now I'm, still teaching and play with my dad and with Cameron and those things. But to be back in the arena is spectacular. Well, I can hear it in your voice. It's kind of ignited the passion. It seems yeah, like it's back it's and, and, and the excitement. I can tell how much you're enjoying it. And, and for everybody that might not know, you can listen to you on the PGA tour app and on Sirius XM radio. Correct. That is correct. And uh, last year I was, the feeds on ESPN. So you can ESPN. get me on ESPN and ESPN plus ESPN, ESPN plus. There you go. Gives everybody a reason to subscribe. ESPN yeah, plus right there. There you go. There, there. <laughs> it's not really, I'm not really a reason to subscribe, but there's a lot of other great things that go along <laughs> with ESPN and ESPN plus. So go you ahead. Peyton Manning. Yeah. You know. Right. <laughs> it's on the same. It's on the same breath. We, we might see you on the Manning cast. If you keep going. The way you're going. Well, I watched the Manning cast and I like those. I, oh. I prefer if the Broncos, as long as the Broncos aren't playing Monday night football, that's my preferred method to watch. I did enjoy you, that more than did you see it the other night when CMC was on? Yes, I did. And how about Kirk Cousins the week before? Yeah. I mean, awesome. how how good was Kirk Cousins? Like 
I don't know how people can't root for that guy. Oh my gosh. Like you watch it. He, he, if he doesn't get a contract and commentating when he's done playing, there is something wrong yep. because the he guy is genuine, sincere, nice. And he was spot on every single thing that was happening on the field. He was spot on. It's amazing to me whenever they have any football player, but particularly a quarterback on just their IQ level of football. Even oh. the ones that aren't that great. It's just yeah. like, they know so much. It just blows my mind. It's unbelievable. It's so it's and you know, you're, I'm a huge football fan, more college than NFL, but like I've paid attention to it my whole life and you're a huge NFL fan. So I know enough about it that it's fun to listen to the insight because it's, oh, yeah, they are like, they're like, Oh yeah. And they, I mean, they can see as soon as they go up to the line, Kirk cousins knew the exact coverage that, was being played and where he needed to go with the ball and what the defense was going to do. Like it was fascinating to me. It is. It is. And, and it's fun to watch them watch their peers play. Yeah. And, and, and you can tell they really enjoy it. Yeah. You know, not, not worrying about their own team for a little bit and just <laughs> talking ball with the Mannings and having fun chopping it up. So, yeah, I love um, it. Well, before I let you go, I see the circle 15 hat on your head looking good as always. Uh, how are things going with circle 15? And can you explain to everybody that might not be aware what circle 15 is, uh, what, what you guys do over there? In a quick nutshell, five years ago, we started developing a glove, not club, because a lot of times when I give this speech, they're like, oh, really? Where can I buy your clubs? And that's this is not a golf club. <laughs> this is a golf glove that you put on your hand. Uh, but I worked with our research department and developed a glove that I always wanted when I was playing. And quite honestly, it turned out very well. Uh, I, if it, if it was a crappy glove, I would probably say, yeah, it's been really fun. And, but in all reality, uh, it's, it's an exceptional glove with the best quality leather that you can buy. Literally there is not another glove on the market that the leather is we are what's called a double a throughout the entire glove uh all the other top brands the callaways the foot joys all those have parts b grade part c grade their main part is double a but like our glove is comprised of the highest leather that you can buy and it's a little i developed it a little bit thicker because i like the feel of a little bit thicker glove and so the wear on it goes it's the only complaint that all the people around here wear them and the only complaint is like your glove lasts too long like i don't have to buy them and it's bad for your company i said no 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 no. like we want happy customers and it's it's done great we have we're up to i think 13 colleges that are wearing it which i mean i hate to give them a plug but that team up north is uh <laughs> it's a nike air jordan school but they are wearing the circle 15 glove uh but that's uh, we have a bunch of schools that are wearing it. We uh, we have consistently grown. We we've had a good year this year. Uh, we're still not making money, um, but that's okay. We are not losing money, and hey, we are better. we are reinvesting <laughs> capital. We are past that point, but we um, we've already far exceeded our take last year, and we just keep reinvesting and. It's been good. So it's circle15golf.com. Uh, Aaron, my caddy, is involved in the company and works very hard on it. And uh, it's been a fun little side thing that has, you know, started out thinking it was a side 
but you quickly realize that when you're trying to do things, it's a lot of time and a lot of effort. Ball State, we got Ball State in the glove this year. Um, so it's been like those things are fun and it's been rewarding and it's been something that we've enjoyed doing. We have a great product. So, yes, you do. I, I have, I own multiple other gloves, even though I'm one person that goes through one glove a year. I don't know if I just don't sweat that much as everybody else or what, even, no, even, when, I was have... play, even when I was playing with the foot joys and the Titleist gloves and everything, I'd only go through about one a year, but so that means you have perfect grip pressure. That's all that means. You have a perfect grip with perfect grip pressure. I am cutting that part out right there. And that is <laughs> going to be the headline of, of the, of this, of this interview. Perfect but, grip pressure. <laughs> but uh, no, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of your gloves, your hats. I love the hats. Um, you guys got ball repairs, the human doors. You got to get yourself a human door. Love yeah. that thing. You guys are always coming out with new products. Everything, everything looks great. Um, yeah, that's, just doing a great job. Yeah, it's been fun. And I do, I, you're not a pretender because uh, I do see you up there at Round oh, Barn yeah. every once in a while. And which have you heard? Are you still a member of Round Barn, even though that? I'm are, not a member anymore, but I still frequent back to play. Let's put you, it that way. I, you might want to think about getting a membership because I'm hearing in this little inside scoop on your podcast, but I'm hearing rumblings of the fact that there's going to be a Ryder Cup competition between the Round Barn and Rock Hollow Golf Club this year. I am aware of that. I was on a text chain about that. So. Yes, that is, <laughs> that is, and I, I also understand that there's some, there's already questions out there if I'm going to be playing or not, and they need to figure out, like, we should have learned this over the last several years with the uh, Calcutta and all those things. You can't beat strokes. I don't know if you've ever heard me say that, but you can't yes. beat strokes. And it is all going to be grouped with yeah. the caliber of player that you are are matched up with. So, uh, you know, Bobby Shane is not going to have to play me if he is, <laughs> if he's fortunate enough to get picked on the Ryder yeah. cup team. Yeah. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It's, it's very cool idea. Um, it'll yeah. be, it'll be great. It's at rock this year. And then I think what we're going to do is we're going to alternate each year. So next and yeah. 24, it'll be at rock 25 at round barn. Oh, yep. we'll, very have cool. your, we'll have to get your dad on that team. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, I give him flack about getting his age, but I got to admit, I think 2023 was the best golf year altogether I've seen him have. So okay. he's getting better with age. I you're, don't know. You're spoiling it because I'm going to do some research on his handicap then before That's all the right. Ryder Cup. I, I know at one time it was as low as it's ever been this year. I don't know if it finished there, but at one time. I know Shep is already uh, who you do your wrestling oh, yeah. podcast with Shep has already told me that he's committed to play on the round barn team, which just really irritates me. It's going to motivate me to prepare and have my game in as good a shape as possible. I give him enough flack on Wednesday nights, so I'll keep my comments nice tonight. <laughs> well, I, you know what? Next week I'll have to tune in on Wednesday night. Please do. Yeah. I'll tune in on Wednesday night and start firing some questions about Please the do. Cup. Please do. He gets some, he's getting, he, he leans into so many gimmicks. He gets more comments from people on YouTube than, than Paul or I. It's just, it's great. It's great yeah, that people Shep. want to pick on Shep. So, so. I do too. But, I'm part well, of it. Well, one more question for you, Chris. I'll let you go once again. I appreciate you taking taking the time to speak with me this evening. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, you mentioned Aaron Kuhn multiple times, your caddy, during this podcast. You guys had a fun podcast going for a, a while there, Another Bad Yardage. 
can we expect to see that uh, come back? Yes. Come back it, or, or, it, or, or a different podcast or anything it, like that? I'm going to be back on the airwaves one way or another in 2024. Right. So Love Aaron, it. Aaron has a young child and Aaron's yep. got a lot of, a lot of iron in the fire sure. right now and is very busy. But I told him uh, about a month ago, I said, okay, here's the deal either. We're starting back up in January. Uh, we were just starting to get a little bit of traction. My, when I started doing the commentating stuff, they started, I've been on, Carl and Dennis Paulson show several times and they talk about the podcast all the time. And so like we were starting to get some and he got busy, but if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't want to do it in 2024, I do have another person that has already said yes. And it would be an interesting podcast because this person would remain nameless, uh, throughout his entire podcast career so that he feels like he can say the things that he wants to say without it being a problem in other parts of his life. I like so it. I'm just going to throw that little teaser out there. So everybody that listens to yours, just every once in a while, check in and see if there's, if I've got some kind of a podcast going, because if it's with that individual, it would be very uh, interesting and entertaining. He it's a, he, I shouldn't have probably said that, but <laughs> Uh, well, he is a very well-connected person in uh, a, a totally different area of life than golf, and okay. uh, it would it would be a very interesting, fun podcast. Well, for everybody out there, for the time being, go subscribe to another bad yardage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast at, and while you're at it, make sure you're subscribed to the Tina J Man Show. <laughs> I know a lot of people listen, but you might not be subscribed. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And uh, and if, if Chris comes up with a different podcast, I will make sure that everybody knows about it. So, yes. So thanks again, Chris. This has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate you taking the time to just chat some sports with me. Oh, I love it. Anytime. I hope uh, you, your family, and all the listeners have a very safe and Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday. And the last thing I will say is uh, – Make sure you enjoy and appreciate every single day. It is a great gift that we have to be alive and to be living the lives that we're living and to be able to impact other people and do nice things for other people. And so enjoy every single day and give a lot of gratitude and start 2024 off in the right way. Well said, my friend. Have a very Merry Christmas.